from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report? Greetings today from Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Salerson is with us uh, here in studio today. And uh, boy, did we get lucky today. You know, every once in a while, I think it says in the open, whoever, you never know who might stop by. Well, today, the head coach of the Pelicans stopped by. Monty Williams here in studio with us. And we got to visit extensively with Coach Williams today, and that's really going to be our focus of this edition of the Black and Blue Report. Our NFL Draft Preview Series will continue tomorrow. We're going to pick it up, what, with two more teams tomorrow, Daniel. Is that correct? Good, good, good. And last night was another interesting night in the NBA playoffs with a game going down to the wire in Dallas, Indiana now on the brink, Miami clinching. So we've got plenty of basketball to talk about, uh, certainly with Coach Williams. Not only the playoffs, but kind of as we touched upon yesterday, the passing of Dr. Jack Ramsey. So really today... Uh, we're going to probably let it rip with Coach Williams more than anything else because it is a good, long visit covering a number of different topics. We haven't had a visit like this with Coach since before the regular season ended. So really a big thank you to Coach for stopping by today, and we want to share with that with you in its entirety. And again, we'll pick up the NFL Draft Preview Series tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, for the rest of the week, it's a lot of NFL because we're going to really start ramping up. If we haven't already, shoot, we're through – 20-some-odd teams in our draft preview series, but we'll really crank it up over the next few days and get you into next week's NFL draft, which, again, begins one week from Thursday. How about that? you want to stay tuned to Saints.com for coverage on that leading up to it as the Saints have a couple of things scheduled uh, leading up to the NFL draft that uh, we may be able to pick and uh, peel away some pieces to what uh, maybe the Saints are up to with regards to the first uh, couple of picks that they have, starting notably with number 27 next Thursday night. So all that in mind, hope you're well on this Tuesday. Weather-wise, hey, stay safe. And uh, our thoughts and prayers, obviously, to our neighbors in Mississippi and over in Alabama as well. Uh, really, so many people in the Mid-South are really struggling after these storms have ripped through our our, um, our country the last couple of days. So keep them in mind today as we uh, move through our Tuesday Black and Blue Report. Again, it's no appointment radio. So again, it's yours at any point, afternoon central on weekdays. And we'll continue with today's edition and Pelicans head coach Monty Williams right after this. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. 
shows all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. Right now, it's a lot more fun. Lotto Lanyard. Buy a $5 single draw lotto ticket. Get a raffle entry to win up to $50,000. Lotto Lanyard. A lot more cash and a lot more fun. You must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we get a great visit in studio here today with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. Coach, first of all, good to see you. I haven't seen you in about a week or two here. How's the family? Have you uh, reacquainted yourself and gotten back into their routine a little bit? Yeah, I've messed up my family's routine, um, just being there. and uh, My wife is phenomenal, phenomenal at getting the kids everywhere they need to go, taking care of us all, and so me being in the house destroying the routine has uh, caused a hiccup in the house so I've uh, at some time in the future I'm going to be banished to my cave and uh, get back to looking at games and writing notes and (laughs) getting ready for the season again. I think I got that talk I got that talk last week I I tried to uh, get in there and interfere with something as she put it and she said Honey, you've been gone for yeah. like six months. We don't do it that way. Yeah. Or whatever. And I was like, all right, all right yeah. I got to take a step back. Here. No, it's but, cool, though, because yeah. I, I really enjoy my kids are pretty active. And so we're always outside playing ball or uh, my oldest plays softball. So I enjoy, you know, messing with her with the softball a little bit. And so we, we really get after it. And my wife, you know, she's not as, as bad as I make her out to be in that respect. It's, it's good to be home. Um, unfortunately, I'd much rather be uh, running a sideline right now and running some plays and timeouts because the playoffs have been so phenomenal uh, this year, and you just you want to be a part of all that. Yeah, and I think that you and I had talked about that at the end of the regular season yeah. that we both felt it's it's almost here. It's it's right here. I don't think your wait is going to have to be too long with regard to that as far as being busy in late April, early May. Yeah, that's what we we've been shooting for. Um, since our first year playing in the playoffs, once you get a taste of it, um, you get a taste for it. And it's hard to – there's a lot of pride that (laughs) creeps up, man. It's hard for me to be happy for some of my buddies who are out there, man, because I want to be out there. And yet I'm talking to a few of those guys on the phone about, you know, little things they could do and – they want to pick my brain for things that I see, and so I find myself watching a lot of games um, for my own benefit and also uh, to try to help a few of my buddies out that are, are playing right now as best I can. Let's talk more about the playoffs. What, do, what, do you th- what have you observed so far? Maybe start with the West and what those series yeah. are doing right now. Has anything surprised you, per se, about how this has played out so far? Not really, because I – we've played against all these teams. And so, you know, what, um, all of the teams are capable of. I'm surprised at how many teams have won on the road. Mm-hmm. That's been a, um, a huge deal. And I, I think it, it's a, a long drawn out explanation, but I think because of this AAU generation, so many of these guys have come through that system. They're so used to playing in foreign environments that it doesn't really bother them anymore. Um, if you look at how games are being closed out, guys are hitting big shot after big shot, and um, 
getting stops is not what it used to be in the NBA. It's more about offense. And I, I, that's why I feel like the best defensive teams are going to win. Um, as soon as we figure out who those teams are, right, right. <laughs> I think the def defense will eventually prevail. But right now, offensively, the league is playing at such a high level. Um, it's like good pitching in baseball. You know, you, you can you, – you throw the wrong pitch and you, you could change the game because a guy can – bring in three or four runs just like that. Oh, they're so good at that level. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And, and, you know, one of the many things you taught me over the years is that with regard to being a great defensive ball club, you have to have some offense because, and, and I'm probably using your words here, um, it's hard to be a good defensive team if they're constantly playing off of your misses or yeah. turnovers. Well, that that's our biggest, you know, I always tell our guys – number one thing for our defense to be effective is we got to get a good shot because it gives you balance, whether it be in transition. If you can make the shot, that's even better because you can set your D. Uh, getting to the free throw line um, is paramount. And you've seen teams uh, like Houston, who they have two guys who can get to the line uh, like nine times per game mm -hmm. between Dwight and James Harden. Um, that was a benefit for them during the regular season was not that big of a deal because Portland scores no matter what you do. <laughs> they score off free throws. They score off anything. And so they've been able to nullify what Houston has been able to hurt everybody else with in the playoffs. It hadn't been a big deal to Portland because they score no matter what. How about Aldridge? Pretty special. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy for him because this is what we've known for a long time. You know, he he's – obviously somebody who I'm close to just because I've, I've, I've known him since he's been a rookie. And um, he was so paranoid about his career because he wasn't getting his due because he was playing with Brandon and Brandon was getting all the press. And I can remember vividly just having these conversations with L.A. Like, L.A., you, you just don't see it. You don't see what we see. You're going to be one of the best players in the, in the league. And he would just look at us like – what are you guys talking about? All they talk about is Brandon. Nobody even talks about my game. And I'm like, just bide your time. Mm -hmm. And um, when I see him doing what he's doing, it excites me all the more for Anthony because I, I think that Anthony has even more tools than LaMarcus, and that's exciting. So I'm not surprised to see – you know, when he drops 46, that's surprising. I, you know, you, I look at him as a 27 to 35 guy on a big night, but he's been able to drop 40 um, against a pretty decent defensive tandem in Dwight Howard and Osik. And in a series where that's the only focus, that team knows everything yeah. about you and your plays yeah. and everything else. That's what maybe amazes me. You know, we've talked before – it's one thing on a on a, any given regular season night that maybe you get away with a thing or two. In a seven-game series, it seems like, boy, all of your flaws and your warts and everything else yeah. can get exposed. And for a guy like him to put up a number like that against a team who's yeah. dialed it, uh, just it blows me away. Yeah, and you, and you look at the way their team is made up. They have so many shooters everywhere. And I think robin's presence on the floor has helped lamarcus now people forget before robin got there lamarcus was playing against both guys he played against That's the guy right. guarding him and the other defensive guy big on the backside. now because robin's there and because he rebounds on the offensive end at a high clip you can't leave him and so that frees up 
L.A. to do his thing. And then you got Lillard, who can go for 30, 35 at any given moment. I'm not surprised to see L.A. Uh, go off the way that he's gone off. It's it's really – I want I don't want to say spooky. That's the wrong word. It's, it's really um, interesting to look at that dynamic that you just spoke of yeah. and put it in relation to what you have across the parking lot in your facility and that conversation that has to go on with what does Anthony need next to him. Yeah. And maybe that's what you're speaking yeah. of here, is having somebody to occupy the other defender, I guess. Yeah, well, think about our uh, – the first time we played Houston here at mm-hmm. our place, AD's going off and destroying them. And in the fourth quarter, they throw Dwight on AD and they clog the paint with the other big. Okay. that That's one of the things that if you don't have Ryan on the floor, you need another guy that can occupy, not just to occupy, but that guy can score and offensive rebound. Um, most of the teams that you're watching in the playoffs right now, they have two guys down there that can get it done. If you look at Indiana, one of the reasons why they're struggling is because you can key on David West because Hibbert's not playing well and Scola's been spotty at best. So now David, when he drives to the basket, there's two guys there. So that that that's a struggle for teams when you don't have a tandem down there. It used uh, to be the Twin Towers. Right. Now it's usually one major guy like AD and a stretch four or an adequate center who can probably give you 10 to 15 points on any given night. Interesting. Help me understand what Frank Vogel's going through right now. Tough deal. Um, You know, we've all been there having um, criticism of fans and and the media, and um, he's out there doing his best, and his players aren't playing at the level that they played earlier in the season, but this this has been a long time coming. Right. I right. mean, this is not something that just jumped on them the past week or two. This has been like the last couple of months for the Pacers. So for him, um, I can imagine um, he's in meetings with his coaching staff trying to think of any adjustment that they can make that can not only help their team but give them confidence because right now they look like a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. Um, if you look at the way they played last night, um, a guy like Mike Scott goes for 17 points in a quarter. Yeah, You don't wake up in the morning thinking Mike Scott's going to give you 17 points in a game, let alone in a quarter. And so those are the surprises that a head coach can't plan for. You know, he's thinking about how do I handle Teague? How do I handle Millsap? And then how do I keep Corver from coming off screens? Right, I'm not so worried about Mike Scott. So then you couple that with the all the knowns. I know his his mind is probably all over the board, and then to be a number one seed and be in this position against the eight seed, um, that's a tough deal because their expectation was to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and then get to the finals, not to play in this position where they got to go on the road, win a game six yes. to bring it back home in the first round. That's a tough spot. No doubt, no doubt, and have to expend all that energy in the first round. Youth is certainly being served across the board, but I can't help but look at veterans and what impact they're having. When I look at the Dallas-San Antonio series, yeah. Memphis' situation, uh, Brooklyn to some extent. Yeah, it, it is amazing that while we love to focus in on all the new cats around the league, it's these guys who have 9, 10, 11, 12 yeah. years of experience yeah. having this much impact this time of year. Well, I think the best example is Miami. 
I mean, they LeBron's been in every situation possible. Wade's got three championships. Bosh, um, maybe the most underrated big in the league. Those guys, while everybody's talking about what's going on in the West and LaMarcus and the Brooklyn-Toronto series and all these other series, Indiana, Miami's down there just going about their business under the radar, and now they're going to get about five or six days rest, which is what every veteran team wants in the first round. That's the experience from a coaching staff, from a playing point of view. You want to see your team go out there and handle their business right away so we can move on. I think they've exemplified more veteranism, if I can use that word, than any team um, in the league. Last night they were, I think, down by one or it was tied at halftime uh, against Charlotte. They come out in the third quarter, bang, 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 handle their business game over, let's move on. To me, they're still the most dangerous team because they know what to do in an efficient manner and they haven't had to do it at a high, high level yet. No. They didn't expend a lot of energy against Charlotte. And Charlotte played well, but Miami moved through them the way that we thought they would. All right, well, so I think we're in agreement on the eastern side and what Miami's set themselves up to do yeah. here. In the west, did you did you say to yourself, I think this is the team that's going to come out of this? Yeah. And if so, has your opinion changed based on what you've seen in the first <laughs> round? Um, I'm putting you on the spot a yeah. little bit. No, no, I, it – I really thought that the way San Antonio was playing, that they would move through the West at an efficient rate, not as easy as I think Miami will move through the East. Um, What's changed for me as far as San Antonio is concerned is Tony Parker's play. He hasn't been the Tony Parker that we've seen all year long, and you couple that with Danny Green and Marco not playing at a high level, you know, they won 62 games this year because their bench was phenomenal. Now their bench is a bit spotty. Um, Boris has been great. Patty's had his opportunities, but Marco and Danny are guys who space that floor, mm-hmm. and they were taking shot after shot. I mean, you remember at our place, Marco uh, closes out a game. It's a tight game. He shoots a three. He's 10 feet behind the line. Well, he's passing up shots that I've never seen him pass up over the course of this season. And so I think that's that's the thing that's hurt San Antonio. They're getting – Ginobili's playing well. Tim is Tim. Tony hasn't been at a high level, but their bench has kind of changed me up a little bit. I, I'm not sure it's going to be as easy for them. Um, and Dallas is Dallas. I mean, they're a veteran team. If you look at the game-winning shot that Vince – hit you can only run that play if you have four guys on the floor along with a great passer who they they all know that they have an opportunity to make a shot because the way they they talked about it after the game it was set up for all four guys to be ready to take that shot you only do that with a veteran squad and a luxury for a head coach like Rick Carlisle isn't it yeah I mean I um Rick's a great coach and, and, and well documented but when you have that kind of championship experience. You, you got Dirk. Um, you have a number of guys who've been in big games. You have Calderon who's played in a number of games um, from a world championship perspective. Mm-hmm. Those guys aren't afraid of the moment. Uh, they know what it what it takes to get it done. And then you look at Devin Harris. I mean, he, he didn't play at this level during the regular season. I mean, he's won two games for them. 
that's amazing. And then Dallin Bear has been solid against Tim, which is a tough, tough task. Head Coach Monty Williams with us here on the Black and Blue Report here on this, uh, what is it, Tuesday morning. And uh, we're going to ask you about, I think the league lost a great man this week. Yeah. There's no doubt. Dr. Jack Ramsey has passed away, and uh, Coach has a special relationship with regard to that. So I want to ask you about that. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll come right back and do that. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Back here in Studio B with head coach Monty Williams, as we said before the break, uh, the, the, the league mourns the passing of Dr. Jack Ramsey this week yeah. after a nearly a decade and a half uh, long battle with cancer. Yeah. Um, he, he passed away peacefully, thank goodness, uh, earlier this week. Coach, your relationship with him, did it first start when you arrived in Portland, or was there a relationship with Dr. Jack long before that? I, th I think anybody in the league – um, can attest to this. If you're in the NBA, you have a relationship with Dr. Jack just because he was so accessible and he was about basketball. And so if you were a basketball guy, he knew who you were, even if you didn't know him or meet him. And so I, I hadn't met him until I started coaching in Portland. But after I met him and to hear the way that people talk about him in Portland, um, it only takes one meeting with him, his presence, um, his awareness, and his physical shape was like phenomenal. You almost feel embarrassed to be around him. And then you, you hear the stories of, you know, how he was still swimming across Lake Oswego in Oregon, which is this, uh, Lake Oswego is a city there, a bit of a community, but there is a Lake Oswego. And if you've ever been to Audubon and you look across the Mississippi, it's about that wide in some parts. And he would swim across the lake for workouts. And so he did that, you know, for a lot of his life. And you hear story after story about um, his basketball knowledge. Um, when I met him, it was, you know, one of those – shock and awe kind of meetings you just kind of shake his hand and then you just shut up and listen to him talk and uh, he came to a couple of our practices he was a big fan of Nate McMillan's and so he would come to practice and and um, it, it was amazing to see somebody like that who had accomplished so much um, sit there and take notes or sit there and watch practice like he was trying to learn something and I, I'm just 
you know, it's one of those things that impacts you as a young coach that no matter how old you are or what you've done or what you've accomplished, that you can always learn something. And, I mean, you read the stories about him now, uh, doing grassroots basketball programs in Africa um, at his age. Mm -hmm. was It was phenomenal to hear that. Uh, those kinds of stories about a guy who'd done so much for not just the Portland Trailblazers, but the basketball community at large. Give me an example or two of something that you teach or you see being played out in the game today that you can directly attribute to him. Yeah, his intensity for every situation. Um, I was listening to people describe him and – they were like, man, he is the most competitive, most intense coach. And you don't, when you look at him, you don't see that. You know, if you watch the old films of the NBA and back when they were winning in Portland, you see the the loud jacket and the checkered pants and you're like, man, that guy's got some, some crazy stuff on. <laughs> yeah. You don't think about him being this intense coach who never takes a day off. And um, if there's one thing that uh, I pride myself on is um, not taking many days off and bringing that intensity to the, the court, to the meeting, to the plane. Um, <laughs> I'm not always the easiest guy to be around during the season. And to hear people talk about Dr. Jack in that way um, – gave me confidence that 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 is a way that you can go about doing it by approaching your job with um, a ferociousness every single day because uh, it is a privilege to be in this league and and that's what you tend to see from guys like Dr. Jack they they always looked at being in the NBA as a privilege mm -hmm. you kind of touched upon it there it in my very few conversations with him and and speaking to people like yourself who yeah. have a greater relationship with him it's amazing to me because most of the time when you think about somebody who has that ferocity to them or that intensity to them, they're really not sometimes the, the greatest people to be around. Yeah. And yet he was. And so I don't know how, and he'll take that secret with him, I guess, or hopefully somebody will figure out that secret of being that ferocious, that intense, that passionate, but yet at the same time, you couldn't help but want to be around the yeah. guy all the time. It, it's a... He had great balance, I would have to say. Um, I think one of the things I've learned, um, as, as bad as I want to win a championship, if I don't have a good relationship with the people I'm around and if they don't know my heart and know where, where all of this comes from, it's not worth it. And I think the guys like Dr. Jack, uh, Coach Wooden, they figured that out a long time ago, mm -hmm. that the relationship is probably more important than the X's and O's uh, and the wins and losses. And it can be a tough deal, especially today, with all the criticism and uh, people who aren't qualified to talk about your job, who get a chance to, uh, <laughs> are always whacking you all the time. Um, guys like Dr. Jack had this infectious um, – thing about them and I think a lot of it was because everybody knew where it was coming from and everybody knew that his his goal was to not only win games but to also help people get better in life on the floor 
Um, and he was one of those guys that could help you do it. I mean, I, when I met him, he just called me by my first name, you know, right away. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know he knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And that is contrary to what it's like when I was a young rookie in the NBA. I'm starting for the New York Knicks, and I, I got to go against Clyde Drexler. And we're at the jump ball, and Clyde, you know, I'm thinking, man, I got to guard, I'm, you know, I got to guard Clyde tonight. And Clyde looks at me and says, what's your name again? <laughs> and I didn't realize it that he was messing with me. But at the time, I thought, wow, he doesn't even know my name. Well, contrast that to Dr. Jack. Dr. Jack was, you know, one of those guys that wanted you to feel good about who you were, not just as a basketball player or a coach, but he gave you that respect as a human being. And with all that he accomplished uh, as a basketball lifer, to have somebody like that that knew your name, I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think we're doing – this here, but sometimes when one speaks posthumously about somebody, it can get a little overblown or exaggerated. Yeah. That's just human nature. I don't think we're doing that here. But in that spirit, I guess, would you consider Dr. Jack Ramsey one of the great lions of this league? And do we have new lions emerging, I guess? Yeah, I think you, you have to just based on I don't have great history with him, but when I listen to the Hubie Browns, when I listen to uh, guys in the league like Coach Pop and Phil Jackson talk about Dr. Jack, they almost talk up to him. And that, to me, is a sign of what he meant to the game. You know, he, he didn't win 11 championships like Phil Jackson or four like Pop, but those guys reverenced him. Um, if you listen to – George Carl talk about him. Um, I'm pretty sure if you had Nate McMillan sitting here right now, he could go on and on about uh, stories that he had that only those two could share. But if the world knew all the ex exploits and the way he made people feel and how, what he did for basketball, um, obviously he was a, a father of the league and, and we're going to be uh, worse off not having him around going forward. Um, I think we do have these caretakers of the game. Um, Pop is one of those guys. He, he really cares about the game. Doc Rivers is another one. Uh, Rick Carlisle. Um, when I'm around those guys, you understand that they really care about the game mm -hmm. and how to make it better. And not only just the game, but how to make people enjoy the game and help them become better people. Um, Eric Spolster is a guy that, you know, when I'm around him, he is a serious dude who is about basketball, and he's about people. And so th there are a number of guys I think we've all learned um, that we have to take care of the game. And had not Dr. Jack and the Larry Browns of the world, the Dean Smiths, John Thompsons, uh, had those guys not come along before us, I don't think we think about taking care of the game. I think it'd just be about winning and money. And the longer you're around this game, you understand that there's a responsibility to take care of the game so that people, not just people in America, now basketball is global, people from around the world can enjoy what we have enjoyed. No doubt. Speaking of global, we're excited about your Team USA experience this summer. <laughs> I know you are too. Yeah. Um, is there anything you can share? I know because I, I don't think you took much time after the last regular season game before you started thinking about your off-season program and, and whatnot. Yeah. Is, there, is there any thought that you 
are willing to share about maybe you have a, uh, a new outlook on things or did you have any epiphanies at the end of the season about, hey, you know what, maybe this offseason I'd like to try this yeah. or I want to use – I want to use our time in this manner. Is yeah. there anything that's kind of struck you here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, when, when I, I'm looking at um, our games and my notes, um, the one thing I've I learned this year is um, giving guys freedom to play to their strength isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, I've always tried to create an atmosphere where guys can get better and then – try to put them in positions where they can do it on the floor. The one thing I, when I'm looking at my notes and I'm looking at how some of our guys played above and beyond what I thought they were going to play with all the stuff that we had going on, to watch AD blossom once I kind of took the gloves off mm -hmm. him a little bit and let him go, um, a bit of an epiphany there. Um, watching Tyreek blossom once we gave him the structure put him in our atmosphere, and then it was like, okay, now go. Um, there's a part of me that is at this point now where we've created the atmosphere. We have the structure. We got to get healthy. We all know that. But it's not a letting go as, a, as much as it is um, giving guys more freedom to be themselves and – I don't think I've been really good at that hmm. um, my first three years. Um, as a coach with my players, I, I can – I coach everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you make or who everybody else thinks you are. Uh, along with that, there's some things that I have to do and say that everybody doesn't want to hear. But at the same time, I'm learning that it's okay to give guys freedom to do their thing. As long as they don't break our absolutes, there you go. And um, I'm, I'm, as I look at my notes and I'm watching some of our games, I've seen how I've matured in that way. And I kind of got that from Coach K last summer, hmm. is watching him with elite guys. You know, he, he really allows those guys to be themselves. And um, when you're a young coach, you're not as willing to do that. And, no, uh, but I, I struggle with it. I think you've been on the brink of it. Just watching you in practice, <laughs> you have a phrase that you love to say. You'll you'll get them in a in a set or a position that you want, and then you inevitably will say, "And now we're just playing the game, or now we're just playing basketball." So it seems like you've been yeah. on the brink of that now for some time. Yeah, I, I you know, I've said that a lot, but I haven't done it. Okay, you know, I, I've I've said that, and I'll tell guys, I want you to go out there and. and shoot the ball with confidence and then if they take a shot that I deem as a bad shot I rip them and so that that's that's for some guys that's confusing now a, a, a guy who's tough mentally knows what I'm talking about like if David West was here and he took what I thought was a tough shot I'd be like D West take him to the basket he would know what I'm talking about because he's tough mentally mm -hmm. most guys aren't D West and no. so if I tell him hey I don't like I didn't like that shot that doesn't mean don't shoot the next time you're open. It means take a better shot, play with confidence, and do what you've worked on. Uh, you you have to learn how to to talk to guys and how to reach guys. And I felt like I I did a better job of that this year. Darius Miller, case in point. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he had a tough time playing for me because he just he couldn't get over the fact that I was getting into him. But I could see talent that he didn't 
he couldn't see. And he just got to a point where he could deal with me coaching him and play his game. And you started to see him blossom into this guy that we were like, man, I didn't know he had all that. Well, a lot of that was just me backing off of him a little bit, but it was a lot of him understanding that, Darius, I'm not against you. I'm the guy that wants you to get paid. I also want to see you help us win games. Right. Now go out there and do your thing. Interesting. Good stuff. I, I kept you longer than I thought I would, and I apologize <laughs> for that, but I do appreciate it. Um, I do have to ask you one more thing, wrapping yeah. it back around to the first thing we talked about. Um, with your daughter playing softball, are, are you a good Little League dad, or, or do you struggle with it? No, I, I would have to say I'm – my wife and I, and, and, and this is going to get a bit personal, I, I'm almost ashamed at some of the things I see at, at Little League sports That's kind of why I'm bringing this now. up. It's it, embarrassing. It's, it is embarrassing. And we sit there um, – the one thing that I have done with all of our coaches that have coached our kids is after every game I walk over to them and tell them, good job, coach. Um, just because, one, I know how hard it is to deal with criticism, but to see some of the the things that are going on um, in Little League sports now, it, it's it's bad. And um, I don't want to be that parent. And I know that because of my position, when I come to a, a gym or a field, there's, a, there's something that goes with that. And I want to make sure I'm a part of the solution and not the problem. And so, and, th- and the other thing is I don't want to embarrass my kid. I mean, I, I am, you know, just me being me is enough. You know, I'm, and my kids are, I know they're, they're waiting for me to say something crazy. And so when I go to a game, I'm quiet. And I, I want to encourage all of the players. And um, I really enjoy getting to know all of my kids' teammates. And, and, and that's what it, to me, that's what it should be about. I don't want to be the parent sitting there screaming at the umpire or screaming at a ref or yelling at a coach. Um, that, that's not what Little League sports, high school sports is all about. Uh, my high school coach was like my dad. He took me to get my license. He took me to basketball camp. Uh, he took me home from school when I didn't have a ride, um, fed me when I needed to be fed, um, and to this day still sends me text messages giving me tips on what I can do to help our team. And to me, that's what it's all about. And I don't want to destroy that relationship that my kid could have with their coach because I'm coming to the game screaming at everybody like a third-world dictator mm-hmm. with a machete in my hand running around my castle. That, to me, is not going to help my kid or the program get better. I'm glad you answered the question because I think it's important, and I was curious as to how you yeah. how you handle. Well, it, it doesn't so. mean I'm you know th- sure I'm I'm just like anybody else when I you know I see things and I'm like man okay coach do this do this do this okay okay but at the same time I gotta trust that they're gonna do what's right by my kid and like I said after every game when I get a chance to I try to walk over to whether it be high school basketball, track coach, softball coach, and let those guys or gals know that I think they did a great job and I'm with them. Good to see you, Coach. Thank you, bro. Yep. It's, uh, it's been a long time. I miss I miss <laughs> doing my job, man. I, I cannot wait to get back on the sidelines and, and get rolling again. But it's good to see you guys also. And, and another shout-out to um, the Heisley family. Um, yeah, They've lost a – a great owner, a great person, a guy who did a lot for Memphis basketball. And our prayers go out to Craig Sager as he, he's fighting for his life. Um, so a lot of storylines in basketball right now, but 
a number of things that are going on that we need to pray about. Yeah, you've got two lists now. You've got your list of what I like about the playoffs and a little prayer list on the side yeah. here, too. So that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Yep. All right, Coach. Um, I hope you get a little more time with your family before you uh, get banished to the cave. Yeah. As you said. Yeah. <laughs> I did catch a 30-inch red. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I caught on light tackle, too. That was really, really fun. I was down in my f- favorite spot in all of Louisiana, which is the the bayou down in the marsh. Um but you're not going to say specifically, are you? No, it's no, no. Secret, not giving it? up my spot. I, I found we found a new spot that um, that holds a, a number of uh, reds and trout. I uh, caught the biggest flounder I've caught since I've been here. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, um, and that was like my second day fishing. So um, I'm looking for that monster 35 to 40 plus. Uh, red and I haven't gotten that baby yet, but I'm, I've, one of them has my name on it, and I'm going to get it. You used to be a golf fanatic. I think you've changed over. Now. Oh, golf is done. <laughs> it's over, man. I, I I can't do it with my kids. Right. And so anything that I can't do with my kids in the off season is off my list. And uh, my kids like to fish. They like being outside. Um, they like when we go fishing and we stop by a store and get them all the stuff they want to eat but more importantly we get a chance to spend time together and they didn't like golf much so i can't do it if they don't like it i can't do it no you're right there are ups and downs about living here challenges that everybody knows about but fishing is one of the luxuries Man, you can go anywhere you want here best in the country maybe best in the world good to see you coach thanks again you too brother all right more on the black and blue report when we continue right after this as one energy customer to another I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Big thanks again to Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. He looks uh, a little rusted, which is nice. Uh, and I hope that the uh, the fish continue to bite for him and the wheels keep uh, turning with regard to uh, how he wants to shape up this offseason for the Pelicans. Tomorrow, two more NFL teams. We'll focus on that during the Black and Blue Report. We'll also talk some more NFL or NBA playoffs, rather. And uh, and like we said earlier in the show, you never know who may stop by here at Studio B over at the world headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. Hope you had a great uh, Tuesday visit with us. We certainly enjoyed having you alongside. For Daniel Salas and I'm Sean Kelly. And until tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. 
If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. 